Hi, and welcome to episode 273 of No Crying in Baseball, the Reclamation Tour episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey, it's good to be here. I am fresh in the in the door in the state from New York, one of my very favorite places to go. You kind of like it, it. it. It's all right. It's fine to visit. When baseball season's not happening, it's not as, you know, oppressive in general. Also, um, your beloved child lives right, there, which that. should, like, override right. all the other yeah. things. Yeah, yeah, that's you know? absolutely what makes it worthwhile to to take a trip to, to New York. And also, there's there's fun stuff to do. You we went to a show. A really good mm-hmm. You went to a show. Yep, we saw an off-Broadway show. We went out to eat. And uh, and it was fine. And it's and it, we had no traffic on the way back, so. Yay. Here I am. So you look rested and ready. Yeah, yeah, except for it's that reality is hitting at this point. So I'm just going into denial with beer and baseball because <laughs> those are my favorite distractors. Sure, sure. Um, so um, so my son's home and um, yeah. encouraged me to finally start to go through our, our bookcases. Okay. And um, we decided that was, the best I could do was a lightning round, which is sort of like the does it spark joy sort of thing. Oh. It was just pull out the things you don't care, you don't want, uh-huh. and then allow the child to say okay I want it or I don't want it and then move it into a box it's going to go somewhere I think some things were going to little free libraries and some nice. I just don't know but uh, I, we also realized how disorganized things were so the only thing we actually organized at this point was a shelf of our baseball books oh well that's important though so, because now then now you know what you have and where it is that's right that's right, except for, hey, this is missing. Oh, mom, I've got that. Oh, this one's missing. Oh, no, I've got that, mom. So, so I do know where they are. Right. They're just not all on the shelf. But right. that, was, that was kind of a big deal for yesterday, and I'm just exhausted. It must have taken an hour. I mean, for God's sake. That's, it's, how could I do an hour's worth of work on a weekend? It's, it's right, horrifying. The, but it, it all adds up. So I think if we do an hour every weekend, at, you know, at some point, oh, no, it's going to be a lot. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I think we're done. Do, do more work? What are you talking about? <laughs> Calling it the lightning round really helped me because I felt like I didn't have to like commit mm-hmm. to any more than, nope, don't need that one. Nope, don't need that one. All right. Yeah. I'm going to give it a try. One of my many New Year's resolutions, I think. Okay. I, I, how are you doing with like, the reading of books? Mm. Stalled out since I went back to work. So mm-hmm. I had a big push over vacation yep. and with the broken toe, and then yep. now I've totally slowed down. I have not picked up a new baseball book. All right. Well, I got, yeah. I've got two waiting for me, so i got to get through my book club book first, Ooh, and, then, and then I'm there. And then I'm there, nice. and they're, um, they are on the baseball book shelf, so I know okay. where to find them when I'm ready for them. All right. So yep. my next vacation, I'll know where to find them when I'm ready for them, too. <laughs> Come on over. They'll be, they'll be on my baseball shelf. Hey, we were on video. Wasn't that like odd? It was like, wait a minute. It was super, super fun. So yeah. if, if y'all haven't seen it, we actually show our faces, most of them, in uh, Bourbon and Baseball's last episode available on YouTube and also available wherever you can find your podcasts. And super thanks to Susie again for hosting us. It was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll keep on chatting. Yeah, I was like, oh, wait a minute, video? We have to pay yeah. attention to things? Okay. Right, okay. I did my hair. I mean, I really went you out. You were very glamorous. Did some makeup. Very glamorous, mm-hmm. and then proceeded to cover it up so you could still be incognito. Yep. But we knew deep down you were glamorous on That's the inside. That's me. That's it for Master sure. Master of disguises. <laughs> on today's show, conversations with dad, Carita version. We've got boyfriends on the move. We have a supersized police blotter, some horrifying, some funny, some a little bit of both. We've got boyfriends for the Angels and for the Marlins, and we've got Winter Ball. Cheers. Cheers. So you have more interesting boyfriends than I do this week. 
Sure. Or more active boyfriends. Well, boyfriends that we were paying attention to this okay. week. Okay. Maybe. Why don't we call That's, it? So do you want to tell it. people what the, what the boyfriends are, what we mean when we say boyfriends? Baseball boyfriends. These are the guys that we have been picking in the off season. We started with the teams with the worst records, and we're working our way up. Every week we do one American League, one National League team. Um, but what we also do before we actually pick the guys is tell y'all how our former boyfriends are doing because they don't become ex-boyfriends unless they do something really terrible. So we try to keep track of them, and when they do fun things, it's fun to talk about. And a fun thing for me was my former Mets boyfriend, Dominic Smith, who I really do like very much. He's, I'm 27, primarily first baseman, plays some outfield, was non-tendered by the Mets in the fall, but the Nationals just picked him up for Yay. a one-year contract for $2 million dollars um, base pay and up to two million dollars more in incentives and that's really cool because he can spell my current Nats boyfriend at first base ah. but also fill in a little bit on the corners mm -hmm. in the outfield and also do a little bit of DHing so he's exact he's also a lefty which is exactly what Davey Martinez said he was looking for so it'll be nice Sweet. to have Dominic Smith close to home yeah I'm excited that there are a lot of guys that we like like bo past boyfriends even on the Nats and so it'll be fun to watch there was a piece in the in the um the washington post that noted that the nats are collecting a lot of former um f like first round draft picks huh. from years gone by like dominic smith was one of those but you know from a long time ago so they're guys who had chops at least at one point maybe they'll get them back or they still have them and mm -hmm. so we'll see again this is like right. we're getting some of the older guys with some experience to shepherd the the new kids along um gene segura just uh was spent last four years with the phillies and just signed a two-year contract with the marlins it happened i guess the end of last week and i missed it to tell you about that last week 17 million dollars for two years he's 32 years old um they're hoping they plan to have him be their opening day third baseman he's, he looks like he's happy about it he there's a, there are some posts i saw about the mambo going to miami which makes a lot of sense and that's his nickname right so the, so that's the dancing perfect. scene yeah. is going to be good for him. I think he's going to have fun. So the sad news is Mike Moustakis, who was one of mm -hmm. my boyfriends, I think probably from the first year we started doing this, has most recently been with the Reds. He's 34. He was released by the Reds. He was DFA'd back in December when my other former boyfriend, Kurt Casale, was signed by the Reds. They had to make room for Kurt. So they, they DFA'd him, and they finally officially released him. He still has $22 million on his uh -huh. four-year $64 million contract. So he's going to get those $22 million, um, whether or not he plays baseball. But I'm sure he would like to find a place yeah. to play. But um, good luck to you, Mike. It's been fun watching you. You never know what's going to happen. Baseball is full of surprises. So much so, in fact, that uh, this week we have a little bit of a, of a sigh of relief here in Red Sox Nation. That's my little corner of the table. And yeah. my conversations with Dad. So Dad calls me pretty much every night. And when I'm working, I often don't pick up because I'm working. And I always give Dad the schedule. But you know how these things go. So I was working this past Wednesday night, and Dad called, and I had just seen the Devers news go through. And so I picked up, while I'm with students who are sitting there across from me, cracking up, telling Dad about the Devers trade, and Dad getting very happy. And his first reaction is, this saved the general manager's job. Like, without this happening, Chaim Bloom would not yeah. be able to show his face in Boston. I have a quick question for you about how does your dad get the news? I'm guessing he doesn't have like notifications on his phone. No. And I'm coming off of spending time with my father-in-law, <laughs> who's, you know, 
of of an era yeah. where he gets his news by reading the sports page yeah. in the morning, at which point the rest of us already know the news. Yeah. Yeah. Dad is definitely, I mean, dad reads the newspaper, but dad reads several newspapers every day. He gets the local paper, he gets the Globe, and he gets the Times. Every day reads all the newspapers, but also does watch TV, and my stepmother has it on, I think, quite a bit. And so there are news, there's a lot of news on TV. So I think he does get stuff that breaks through the day, but just not at internet speed. Uh, to say the least. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was ex- it was cool to tell to talk to Dad about that, and to get his basic take on the state of the Red Sox, which I think I'll, I'll wind up with. Um, but the Devers deal also means that he he's secure. We're all breathing a sigh of relief. I think it's it's the, the Red Sox management had to do it to save their butts because people are so pissed off after losing Bogarts, just so pissed off, and not just losing Bogarts, but we've lost all of our 2018 heroes. So Devers is the only guy left, uh, position player, their pitchers, the, the only position player left from the 2018 team. So just recently, we lose Bogarts, we lose Valdi, who's huge, huge saving ugh, moments in, in 2018. J.D. Martinez, also hero of 2018, he's gone. And that's on top of the Red Sox not pulling back in Benatendi and Vasquez, who a lot of fans wanted to see both those deals go through. You know, people are still pissed off of, of the whole Betts deal, losing Betts and Jeter Downs didn't work out. That was supposed to be one of the big, uh, big pieces that we got in exchange. So they needed something. So it just to have this is like I, I saw it somewhere basically saying that it doesn't make the Red Sox better, really. It just doesn't make them worse at this point for next year. So, and the well, it's weird, actually kind of big considering which is. way things were looking. So, oh, yeah. I mean, like holding steady is pretty good right now. Yeah, getting worse would have been really, really shitty. Really, really shitty. Um, I, and I think, well, the, the timing was weird because they had just announced that they got the arbitration deal with them, that they wouldn't be going to arbitration. They signed them for one year, $17.5 million. And after that, it was that was sort of when I was like, all right, well, this is fine. It could have been worse. But this if this is hanging over our heads through the season, it's going to be such a huge distraction. And so to not have to deal with that, I didn't think it would be coming around so soon. Like at that moment, that was like a few days beforehand because we didn't talk about that last week. Maybe it was before we did last week. So it, it kind of analytically, it makes sense what the Red Sox did. So to get, if you're going to put that much money into a player, I don't, they couldn't have swung or maybe they just wouldn't be willing to sw- swing two huge deals like that at the same time with Bogarts and Devers. Devers is younger, four years mm-hmm. younger, so that makes a whole lot more sense with the big you know, multi-year deal on the other end. And then also, I mean, Devers is a pretty bit, big lock on third base, but the shortstop... When they got Trevor Story, like I've said all along, everybody's like, what are you going to do without Bogarts? Well, Story was brought in as a shortstop. And also there's this really, I mean, prospects, you never know. Look what happened with Bobby Dahlbeck. But uh, Marcelo Mayer, everybody has their eye on him. He didn't make it beyond uh, high A last year, but they're thinking he might make it up this year. So I don't know. Overall, I'm happy about Devers being there. He seems like a sweet guy. He's got to cut down on the chew, though, man. Do you, I mean, watching, Does your dad have opinions about that? I, you know, I haven't talked to him about I it. Bet I he bet does. he would. I bet he would, yeah. I, yeah. It's very distressing. He chews way too much tobacco. At the end of last season, it seemed like he was doing more gum, but 
I don't know. I want to see that. And then, of course, the other you know exciting news that we talked about last week, I believe them getting Justin Turner. But the mystery piece that I predicted is that Kike had a lot to do with this. Yeah. So in one of Turner's interviews, they asked him about Kike's influence. And he said, and I quote, Kike is always in the middle of everything, as I'm sure you guys know. <laughs> He's a really, really good friend of mine. And I talked to him a lot about everything, not just baseball. To say he didn't have a big part of this would be a lie. And then Kike had a really sweet t- tweet about Turner being... He's, the phrase is something like, there's only one other guy in all of baseball who's been more influential to me than Turner. But he didn't say who that other guy is. So, like, I'm dying to know. So. <laughs> Waiting for the tweet to drop? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, when when are we going to find out? I think it's Francisco Lindor. Oh, after that smoochy picture. smoochy picture, yeah. yeah. Um, no, seem to, probably They've not. been around together longer. Yeah, I don't know. For sure. I don't know. Is that, it a time to point out that they were teammates on the Dodgers? Oh, Justin yeah, and Turner and Kike Hernandez? Yep. Yes. Them and a shit ton of other people. So so Dad gives the JT thing up, because he, the thumbs up, because he says that he's going to be a great hitter with a green monster. Great hitter. Because, and, and, and Turner actually said that, too. He said, you know, if so many times the thing dies on the warning track. That's not going to happen in Fenway. It's going to bounce off the wall, and he's going to get a double. So that'll be fun. But the but the Red Sox have kind of turned into, like you were just saying, Dodgers East. So not only is there Kike Hernandez and, and Justin Turner, but also Kenley Jansen, uh, Alex Verdugo, and Connor Wong, who were the other two parts of that tree, trade when bets went over. And that's just a lot of California dudes for fucking freezing Boston weather. I don't know how they're going to do in April. I think it might take them a little bit to uh, warm, warm up. So dad is not happy, though. He's still oh, no. very, very concerned about the Red Sox. He says they need more pitching, first base and outfield. And so you know who we both agreed that could solve at least the first place and outfield problem Do would tell. be Trey Mancini would be a great pick who's still available. Oh. So that would be, that would make dad very, very, he got very excited when we talked about that and prospect. And is Trey such a good guy he might like balance out the horror that is Alex Verdugo? Absolutely. Right. We need a lot of, there's okay. so much, too much horror there. All, All right. right. Well, so, sorry um, about that. Like, horror. I have a pitcher who's going to be available. Oh, shit. <laughs> if, so if they were to do this, so I was talking to Mr. Pottymouth, and, and y'all probably know what we're talking about already, but if they were to do this, I was like, we would have to take down every Red Sox thing in the house. Like, what would I do? I would have to, like, put wardrobe aside. So, uh, yeah, so we're heading into the police blotter. If you haven't guessed yet, we're talking about Trevor Bauer um, suddenly becoming available to other teams. And in my house, we said things like, we may have to burn down Camden Yards if something happens. So, yeah. so I think this is... There are two kinds of people in the world, the ones who address these things through wardrobe issues and the ones who consider vandalism and arson okay. as, as possibilities. Now I, now I know. I, now, that, the weird thing about it is I would have guessed it was the other direction. Yeah, no, I would. I mean, I wouldn't burn Fenway Park because it's really historical. But, but I would it's burn, flammable for sure. Right. I would. It was going to be really fucking flammable. I could do a T-shirt bonfire, though. I've done shit like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. OK, so um, as we have told you in the past, the Dodgers had until – end of business on January 6th to decide what to do about Trevor Bauer um, based on the, the decisions of like the arbitration board, the mm-hmm. panel um, that said, okay, he's, he can start opening day. And the Dodgers finally said, no, he can't. So they DFA'd him right about at the deadline on, on yep. the 6th. Um, more about what may have led to it taking so long in a minute. But um, I found a couple interesting. Well, first, the statement they said 
first said, you know, we absolutely believe in this process and the investigations and how important this is and how serious this is. I'm taking mm-hmm. it very seriously. Good. And they say, now that this process has been completed and after careful consideration, we have decided that he will no longer be part of our organization. So that was a really long statement to say we're DFAing, we're designating for assignment. Trevor Bauer. The Dodgers are going to owe him the $22.5 million still on his contract. So when you DFA a player, you have seven days to trade them or place them on um, on waivers. If they go on waivers, the other 29 teams have the option to pick up that player at their current salary. <laughs> if, right. if no one does that, if yeah. no one does that, that's called clearing waivers. And if somebody clears waivers, they become a free agent. So because, well, no one's going to do that through waivers because if, right. if you pick somebody up during waivers, you pay them their whole salary. Yeah. So they're all waiting. So they're waiting. Hopefully they're they're not waiting. They're not right. doing anything. But if they're they're waiting, if he does clear it, Friday the thirteenth would be the day <laughs> oh that he becomes a free agent. <laughs> that which is horrific. I find joy in. Oh but then God. any team could actually claim him for yeah. the league minimum, yeah. which is seven hundred and twenty thousand dollars, which actually isn't going to affect Trevor Bauer because he's going to get paid his twenty two point five million dollars. That just offsets what the Dodgers are going to mm-hmm. owe him a little bit. So here's an interesting thing that I that make total sense to me that I wasn't aware of until I read it, which was teams, including the Dodgers, don't actually have access to the materials that were part of the investigation unless they were made public. So as teams evaluate whether or not to try to pick up Bauer Mm -hmm. for their teams, they only have the same information that you and I have, which is what, what we've read everywhere and what we've heard everywhere, which is to us, Plenty. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. We, but even the Dodgers, the Dodgers didn't even have it. They, they couldn't even read the actual content of the decision written by the arbitration panel. Wow. They just knew what the, the final what decision, the decision was, was, what the, the effective decision okay. was. So that's pretty interesting. So the Dodgers actually met, some, some Dodgers, this was kind of like on the down low because no one wanted to admit to actually having to sit down in a room with this guy, right. um, actually met with Bauer, executives for the Dodgers um, wow. in Arizona. And... Because it was private, total he said, she said, Bauer's like, well, I was under the impression they told me they wanted me back and they were looking forward to me pitching for them. Holy and then Dodger's shit. like, mm, that's not what we said. So there's a couple of hypotheses about huh. what might have what actually, actually happened. Like maybe the Dodgers said, if you do these 18 things, mm. we would consider it and he didn't want to do them. Or it could be just crap. He's just making up whatever he wants right. to say. Um there are rumors that some of these executives said, well, he expressed zero remorse, yeah. as we would expect based right. on his public you know, right. comments about Instagram. all of these things. So Please. the question is, okay, you know, like you or I would have said the day that the arbitration decision came out, it's like, okay, he's gone. Yeah. We wouldn't have had to think about right. it. Right. Why did they have to wait? So a couple things. Okay. Um, these are... Kind of, kind of interesting to me. One of, one was okay. We're not going to convene until after the holidays. I mean, it happened December twenty second, right? Right. If we have to get together to do it, do it officially, we have to get together. Well, wait till after the holidays. Okay, fine, fine. But one hypothesis I saw was, if they DFA him, mm-hmm. then somebody who's in direct competition with them, say the Padres, like somebody who's like direct competition, could pick up this ace pitcher and be competition. So like they would lose out right. on the playing so they, they field. They were worried about that concept. So it could be that was one of the things that got floated around. I mean, they made the right decision. Yeah. I um, mean, based on how I feel about things, of course that's the right decision. Right. But um, 
but that is something that they probably had to discuss. Like, are we willing to give up a possible World Series ring mm-hmm. because we have, you know, a moral center? Which I would say, of course you would. Right. But others were like, okay, oh, there's too much money involved in, you know, we're not going to do that. So that's one of the other things. So then there were all these articles about what's going to happen. And of course, I believe, can I speak for us when I say what's going to happen is like Japan or Korea or, yep. you know, yeah. It's better. If it, it doesn't, better. there's going to be so many pissed off people in wherever, wherever so it So a couple of articles I read, they kind of did these like, you know, surveys, anonymous surveys yeah. with other teams who all said, yeah, no, not going to happen, not going to happen because of all of these things, including Clubhouse. Right. Not going to work in the Clubhouse. Right. No, we, we, this is below our standards. We, we, have, we have standards to uphold. They actually held up the Nationals as, because of how they dealt with um, Starlin Castro yep. immediately as a, this is what you do. You say zero tolerance, but you either have zero tolerance right. or you don't. Um, but a couple of people threw out potential homes in MLB, and one of them was the Astros because they have a precedent right. with Roberto Osuna. So, so Mr. Pottymouth said that to me. And I was kind of like, I feel like the Astros have just dug themselves out of the hole that they were in. Like, mm-hmm. they just won a World Series without cheating. The, you know, players have changed. They don't have a Zuna anymore. Like, I don't think they want to go back to square one. <laughs> I don't think they do either. And, you know, other teams have done similar things. I mean, Aroldis Chapman, you know, got right. picked up. Other, other teams have picked up or welcomed back oh, yeah. players after. But the difference is... I think all of those players, or at least most of them, at least acknowledged wrongdoing yeah. and expressed some sort of remorse or some level of apology right. and aren't just being aggressively um, attack, you know, aggressively attacking right. their victims. Um, yeah, so it's a very different feel around that, well, too. Well, I, I almost feel like Bauer in his hubris shot himself in the foot because his attack on trying to discredit this woman, his his excuse was that she wanted it. But in trying to prove that, he was also proving that he did it, like regardless. Like he was, you know, he, the actions were out there and I feel like he got more details out there by putting her texts out there. Yeah. Like what the fuck, you know? Even if you didn't officially break a law, this is disgusting. And you did break a law too, but still, this is gross. And that's actually a really good point because um, I want our listeners to remember that MLB has stricter guidelines than what could be considered criminal. You know, right. the the the, um, the policy agreed upon by the league and the players' union has much higher standards for behavior. So that's why um, players are off, often have consequences yeah. based on this policy, even if there are no criminal prosecutions right. that so, are successful. So not only is he an asshole, he's a fucking idiot to boot. <laughs> yeah, and he doesn't think so. So but what one agent Sorry. really had a good point. Um, who they said if you sign someone with that type of baggage, you have to walk him through the reclamation tour and I don't think he's coachable for that. No, I mean he even had baggage coming out of the Reds clubhouse. He yep. had a bad reputation there. Yeah. You know, the Dodgers yep. stooped once and Yep. I mean, this is like, you know, when celebrities go wrong, you have to be on Oprah, yeah. right? I mean, there's like there's like a, a series of things you need to do. That's yeah. your reclamation tour. He's not up for that. He's he like, I'm right. 
That's it. Trevor Bauer is not up for Oprah. He's not. For sure he is not. Hey, you want to talk about Ted Cruz? Because oh, this one's a little bit funny. This is, oh my God, if Ted Cruz is better than Trevor Bauer, that just okay. says a lot. Okay, don't say better. Okay, <laughs> less bad. I mean, less... they're different categories right. and different crimes. All right, I'm just glad I got another backup beer. And this, cr- oh my gosh, you're almost done with your backup <laughs> yeah. beer. Oh my goodness. This is what happens when you have a long-winded police mm. blotter. His potty mouth drains the entire backup beer, and I've barely started. Sorry about that. All right. It's all right. Well, you may have heard of Ted Cruz. Um, He um, decided to participate in the Astros World Series Parade, um, during which he was booed, right? Which is pretty funny. Wow. He was booed. He was in a military vehicle, waving in his bright orange Astros logo his shirt and they booed him so that's hope for humanity it is right there so so the the booing you know of of ted cruz that is like one of the very few things that i really admire the yankees fans for is when he came to the playoffs they booed him like they surrounded him and booed him so as turns out so do people in texas there we go so that's pretty cool um but not only was there booing there was also boozing Oh, um, they go together so well. During the parade, um, Joseph Helm Arcidiacano. Wait, Arcidiacano. I did it. I think I think I get that right. Does that sound right, Arcidiacano? Sure. If I say it really fast, I get all the letters Mm -hmm. in. Um, Threw two full unopened cans of White Claw at Ted Cruz. Alcohol abuse. Alcohol abuse, for sure. So he was, he threw them from like the, the barricade and ran away was caught immediately. When he was caught, he said, um, I know, I'm an idiot. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, then, and then later on, he said, oh, his lawyer said that he was hoping to throw a can to Cruz so he'd crack one open and guzzle it down. Oh, that is exactly what he would have done. Like athletes do. Right. Like when you, when you get them a beer. Right. Okay, so, the, so that happened. So finally, it came to the grand jury. And the grand jury did not indict our city really? of and wow. the court dismissed. The charge was actually aggravated assault with a deadly weapon charge. So White Claw apparently is, is it- a deadly weapon. <laughs> Kids stay away right. from the White Claw, especially when you shake it. That's when I it's don't, like really. I, so killer. both of these cans uh, allegedly hit him. Although the the clip I watched didn't. Like it was a guy like in front of him, kind of batted it away. So I don't know who to believe. All there, he needed no medical attention. Right? So it, it didn't was, hit him anywhere serious. They said they hit him in the chest and like, I don't know, but it, I didn't see that happen. But okay. anyway, anyway, the always classy Ted Cruz said, I'm also thankful the clown who threw his white claw had a noodle for an arm. Yeah, and like he could catch it. Like, right, so. right. I just, I, so just my two takeaways are that Cruz was booed. Yeah. And also it was not beer. Okay, because some of the initial headlines said beer was thrown, and beer was huh. not thrown. Beer is not a deadly weapon. You it's, drink responsibly. Don't no, don't throw your cans of beer anywhere at anybody. Please don't throw cans right. of anything at anyone. Although I could see why you'd want to rid yourself of white claw. Yeah, because my first reaction, of course, was what a waste of alcohol. But now thinking about it, at least they didn't waste a good beer. You know, white claw. I'm not a fan. This is what I'm saying. Yeah. This is what I'm saying. So I have one more um, story of kind of, um, it's an alcohol-related story. Um, this was um, this happened with, at the Milwaukee Brewers uh, Park. So 25-year-old, uh, after the September 8th doubleheader between the Brewers and the Giants. Oh, my kid's birthday. Passed out in the bushes outside of the American Family Field Stadium, Oof. which is where the Brewers play. Doubleheader is a lot of time to drink. It is. Well, when he woke up, apparently he thought, Let's go inside. So he, <laughs> he pulled on doors of the stadium until one opened, 
what's a problem as far as I'm concerned. And one opens. He got in. I Now I and am then incentivized. Let me tell you <laughs> the list of places where he was able to remove items from. He got into the office of manager Craig Council. Oh my. He got into the office of the strength coach. He got into the office of the equipment manager and the coach's locker room. So things he stole were random and many. And they include things like credit cards, <laughs> passports, autographed bats. Did he have a backpack? Well, oh, hold on. He, the, he used the... He, hold on. Okay. A game-worn jerseys and hats. The keys to the Arizona Spring Training Facility. Oh, handy for a party. Also some, like, like a World Series, like a replica World Series ring. Um, and then he called an Uber. <laughs> Sure. To get a ride home. and you can't carry all that shit. Well, he had a duffel bag. I don't know if he stole the duffel bag also. Probably. Or he just happened to fall asleep on his own duffel bag and had it. So maybe I should go fill this or up. This I don't know. Stolen but shit. the awesome thing about Uber is you can't really do that anonymously. Right? Oh, so I'm, I think they picked me up at the ballpark. <laughs> Here's my name and my credit card. Here's my account with my home address on it. Oh, my God. Right? Right. right? So and he was next- charged in December with a felony burglary and here are my takeaways he claims he drank 10 beers if he was at a ballpark and drank 10 beers he has to be independently wealthy in which case why would he steal things right so (laughs) i I, I, there's a problem at one end or the other of that argument 10 10 beers in a ballpark holy okay i mean like and consuming those over the course of even a double header i mean that's a lot of time that's for 10 beers well no no no, it depends on how large he is I, okay, but also how large is his bank account? Because yeah. ten beers, holy that is, crap! That, that part's crazy. And that then, part's crazy. Um, so apparently, though, the brewers were not available for comment when the Associated Press tried to contact them, and I think that's because what you don't lock office doors. Yeah, really? So I many mean, doors. So many doors. He got into so like he got in from the outside into the freaking building, and then right. all these offices that had important, expensive things. He had he right. stole a bag of baseballs. He stole some pitching equipment. He, he, oh, could he, he send, send a Meredith? I was just thinking if he's stealing baseballs anyway. Maybe. Well, we don't know if they were, you know, game balls, yeah. right? So, but anyhow, that's a whole Holy situation. Shit. So now I don't know if I'm tempted to like, you know, walk up to a ballpark at three in the morning just to see what I can that's do. That's what I was thinking. But then, you know, well, maybe if we have our attorney with us. <laughs> I don't want to do I it without the attorney. I don't think he'd go. He's not going to go for that. I, I would totally I, actually. Not go for this. I would not do it either. But I'm kind of amused that all the whole list of things between really ten beers to yeah. I got in with to this all of these offices. I took all of these things and then I also took an Uber. Seriously, I lock my office in a school building because I have confidential files in it, but they're not like you know the keys to the spring training <laughs> facility. I wonder if Holy they're marked shit. like you right? know with the address <laughs> of the spring. <laughs> it's like oh, I can like, get into six more offices in another clubhouse if I take these keys. <laughs> right. Hello, right. Uber. Could you take me to spring training? <laughs> Oh my god. All right, our episode is going to be 2 hours long. Oh, no. But besides that, no. oh, I want to take an Uber to spring training. <laughs> um, but in the meantime, we're going to go to actually a couple of places with really lovely weather when we're talking about our baseball boyfriends this week. We have and I, I say this every time, the Los Angeles Angels, which if you translate it into all into English is the the Angels Angels. They like to emphasize their angelicness apparently. So we're going to start off with the Angels. And so my theme for this, I have so many fucking themes for this week, but the biggest one is a waste of fucking time that I did not have. Oh, no. So for both 
teams. Like the, the best thing that happens when we do baseball boyfriends is if you happen upon that article, which is just like the glowing article of their life or their come up or whatever. And for for my uh, Miami Marlins boyfriend, I'll go into that, but I couldn't find shit, even though I kept trying. And then for the Angels, I was all on for Taylor Ward. He had a big breakout year last year. I need an outfielder for my fantasy team. And then, like, after I had already, and you saw I did, like, tons of notes on I him. Did. He was one of three players who didn't go to Toronto at the end of the season oh, last year. no. And I just could not be that much of a hypocrite. I just, you know, it's for some of you that might be fine. That's not, like, an absolute rule that you need to pick some guy who's vaccinated. But, but somebody who's, uh, yeah, yeah, that's our standards. That's our standards. So on the New Jersey Turnpike today, I get to read and, and crash um, – Crash Course in Brandon Drury. And I picked him because I recognize his name. And I recognize his name from when he was traded to the Yankees. And that was like four teams ago or something like that. So I'm attracted to this guy because he is a journeyman. You know, he's in it because of the love of the game. And he's been through a lot. He's been traded a couple times, DFA'd a couple times. But now he has a two-year solid contract with the Angels. I'm super happy for him. I'm also happy for me because for our fantasy league, it really helps to have a guy who can be put in at many positions. And I believe that's what's happening with Drury because he's scheduled for second base slash utility. He's played all four infield positions plus right field on a total of eight teams. He was drafted by Atlanta, and he didn't make it up with Atlanta, but that was back in 2010. From there, traded to the D-backs. He debuted with the D-backs in September 2015, and this is another like sort of good mojo thing, is that it, he spent half of the season, I believe, playing with J.D. Martinez and just soaked up knowledge nice. from him on hitting, which is what you should do when you are a teammate with J.D. Martinez. Then I remember when he was traded to the Yankees 2018, he did not last the season there. In July, he was traded to Toronto. So, like, the, already we're, like, ping-ponging all over around. DFA'd from Toronto, just had a, a rough couple of years there, and ended up in January 2021 signing a minor league contract with the Mets to sort of get back in. He had a so-so year. He was brought up in May, but DFA'd in October. So free agent again. And the Reds, and here's where, like, the spark is lit. The Reds signed him to a minor league deal. Now, at that point, he could have gone with the Angels, which was his childhood, like, the team that I loved. Although, when I looked at Yankee, uh, articles when he was traded to the Yankees, there was a lot of, like, oh, oh I yeah. loved, I always loved the yeah. Yankees. But uh, this, this is actually like, uh, verified by his father. They're from Oregon and used to take family trips down to Disneyland, and they would coordinate those with baseball games yay so he grew up and I mean I think this is like quality as actually an Angels fan so he got to choose at that point in 22 between the Reds and the Angels both minor league deals and Phil Nevin who is clearly now now the manager of the Angels at that point he was third base coach actually told him to go with the Reds so he had a good relationship with Nevin because Nevin was the his AAA coach when he was with the D-backs AAA system and they had a he talks about him as sort of like his favorite coach of all time. So he honestly advised him, go to the Reds, you're going to get more play time. You have more opportunity to actually get played because mm -hmm. it's a minor league contract. You're going to have more opportunity for play time, and Great American Ballpark is a good ballpark for your hitting. 
So he did it and it worked. And he had a huge breakout year starting at third base. And then he was traded to the Padres in August at a moment that was sort of, uh, uh, at first, had this huge shadow on it by, well, it was a Juan Soto and, and Josh Bell-sized shadow because they also were going to the Padres at the first time. They actually all came, uh, had their first debut game together. So, you know, this he had a breakout season. He's going to the Padres, but this other deal is getting tons of attention. He didn't have the press conference. They had the press conferences. That game, what happens? Well, Josh Bell and, and Juan Soto both walked twice, and Soto managed a single. But Brandon Drury got a grand slam on his first pitch. Oh, wow. So wow. it was like this welcome to Slam Diego situation. He's patting sixth, first inning, bases loaded. I think Cronenworth actually got walked or hit by pitch right before him, and grand slam. So hello, and watch the spotlight turn. He had a fantastic 22. 263 average with 28 home runs, 87 RBI, and ended up with a silver slugger for a utility player. Nice. And I saw a, an interview with him where he said, looking back on it, it's pretty wild. This is the player that I've always known I can be. I'm tearing up right now you just are. thinking of that. Because, like, he spent a lot of time and effort getting to where he could, where he, where he ended up. And he was free after that season, so he got this two-year deal with the Angels right now. So now Nevin says, you know, now is the time to come play with the Angels because You're I'm right the now. manager. You had a great season last year. Two years, $17 million, I think it's $17 million. I didn't write it down, but it's more money than he's had before. And he's locked in. Um, I also appreciate that he's – trying to use his Spanish. I mean, he took high school Spanish, but he talks about how the Latino players appreciate it when uh, he talks to them in Spanish, and so he uses it. And this is sort of a little bit of a, a, little bit of a theme for me today. Um, last quote that I'm going to end with is in an interview when somebody asked him, tell me about you off the field. And he really didn't want to talk about that. So that's why there's not much of his off the field information here. He said, I'm here to play baseball. And even when I'm off the field, I still try, I'm still trying to find a way to get even better. I love watching baseball. I love every part of it. I like golf a little bit, hang out with my family and stuff like that. But even on my time off, I'm still watching baseball. So I appreciate this journeyman. I appreciate all he's done, and I'm excited for a good season with the Angels. Excellent. Excellent. That sounds great. And I got to say, at one point, I was um, looking at Brandon Drury as a possibility because mm. I had looked at your notes, and you had Tyler yeah. Taylor Ward Oops. there. But Oops. then I found Mickey Moniak. And I'm just going to say ah. that my theme is look at me, I can be a center field. Um, Do we have to sing? We, you don't have to. You never <laughs> have to sing we're never going to force you but we yeah. we're going to we're going to encourage you yeah so okay so mickey um center fielder 24 um he would be somebody that you might be interested in because his grandfather bill moniak was signed by the boston red sox wow. in 1958 for twenty-five thousand dollars. he never made it to the majors but he played in the organization for six years and learned a little bit about hitting from ted williams a lot of people study that yeah yeah and then his dad matt played at san diego state university um he grew up in encinitas california which is just a little bit north of San Diego. So he grew up rooting for the Padres. And while in Southern California, he played travel ball with 
a current player that I really like named Tyler Nevin, who most recently played for the Orioles and just got traded to the Tigers, whose dad is, you just mentioned him, Phil Nevin. Wow. So manager of the of, of the Angels knew knew Mickey as a child. Wow, this is all basically and also is I'm getting a lot of respect for Phil Nevins based on the conversations that we've been having because yeah. Mickey struggled with he came over from the Phillies, which is one of the things that attracted me because you know how big I was into the past season Phillies right. team. And you know, he's Phil Nevins is like I can help you. Wow. I see what's happening, and I can That's I can help you with this. Like really, very personalized. You're going to be important for this team, and here's how we can help you be be who you need to be, Aww. right? And all that. You know, I'm going to make potty mouth cry again. Yeah. So okay. Um, in he was in high school. He was baseball America's high school player of the year, which is not too shabby because boy, are there a boatload of high school players out yeah. there in the world. Shit. He he batted almost 500 his senior year in high school. Wow. He um he came into UCLA, but the Phillies. That year, it, when out of high school, drafted him as the number one pick in 2016. So he said, okay, for the Phillies, for $6.1 million as the number one yeah. draft pick, I'm going to go ahead and not go to UCLA. Um, so he had all these chops, all of these like, amazing high school chops. And, and he said, um, growing up, my parents instilled in me that the worst thing you can be is cocky. <laughs> if you're that good, you don't need to talk about yourself. Amen. So, yeah. So his his debut was in um was September 16th in 2020 as a ninth inning pitch runner for my former boyfriend Alec Bohm. Wow, um, pitch and, runner for Bohm. Interesting. Yes, yes. Um, he started his 2022 spring training with a bang. He had six home runs and a 1.351 OPS in spring training, which is amazing. And then while in spring training, got hit by a pitch on his hand while batting. Oh. And he was out for seven weeks. That's bad. Put a pin in that. That's a theme. Getting um, hands broken (laughs) is a theme. So that in 2022, this past season, at the trade deadline on August 2nd, he woke up and in, in, at AAA Lehigh Valley, right, the, the Phillies AAA team, the Iron Pigs, I think, mm-hmm. um, he was told, okay, you're going back up, so go to Atlanta, meet, meet the Phillies there. And then he went to Atlanta, and then he suited up, and he's like in batting practice, and he's like shagging balls in the outfield. And said, oh, oh, come here, it's almost six, the trade deadline is hitting at six, and you've just been traded to the Angels for Noah Syndergaard. So three teams, three teams, three teams in one day. In That's one day. crazy. Um, fun fact Noah for Syndergaard. Oh my god. One fa- fun fact for me is when he got to the um, the clubhouse in Angels Land, he was given Brandon Marsh's old locker. Wow. Who was old boyfriend of mine and now on the Phillies. Yeah. Um. So on on August sixth, you know, days later, he injured a finger on a bunt. So he was out for a couple of weeks. And then on September 28th, he got hit on his hand again and was out for the rest of the he's season. He's got so, hot hands. So I'm thinking that maybe um, he's done that enough now. Yeah. And that's out of his system, so he'll be okay. So, okay, so the as you may remember, the Angels did not progress into the postseason, whereas the Phillies did. So, again, his home is Encinitas. It's near San Diego. He's big Padres fan. That's his home, you know, his home field growing yeah. up, right? Petco Park. Um, the Phillies are coming. For the for um for the NLCS for ah. games one and two and his buddy Alec Bohm says, 
we got your tickets. Come see us play. So we went to see games one and two. Got on the field after the the Phillies game one win to hang out with the guys. They all went out to dinner together because they're all their pals. And these are all like the young guys that we've talked about, like, you know, the the daycare, the daycare (laughs) kids in, in 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 the Phil's locker room. Um, so that was really very sweet. So he's got a couple of, you know, the younger guys we've talked about, a lot of them, their philanthropy is usually, is often, not usually, often with the Baseball Teams Foundation. Yeah. Um, where you, you know, you show up with whatever the, the team is doing. One of the things that they, they just did in December was the Angels Baseball Foundation had a kids holiday party where they worked with local nonprofits to bring kids to the field, to the, the ballpark. Which they had, um, they had a sledding hill in Los Angeles, so it was very little snow, but they did pack it in pretty well and had little sleds. And they had, you know, like <laughs> baseball stations and basketball That's stations it. and crafts, and they had like pictures with Santa and the whole thing. And all the kids got um, a, pajamas and a toy, so you know, <laughs> something you need and something you want. But he was part of that, and they had him mic'd up. For that, so there's there's a there's a pretty sweet um, YouTube video of him like interacting with kids while they're doing like the pitching stuff and and all that. So that's kind of sweet. He also um, from a little bit farther back, like mo- more likely like the um, the Iron Pigs uh, um, time of his career. Um, he worked with a couple of kids from the I'm Able Foundation, which helps um, athletes who need adaptive equipment in wow. order to play sports. And he had he had one post on Instagram about batting practice, which is which was a, a kid probably upper elementary school batting and then switching back into like you know both arm crutches, wow. you know, but like the permanent kind, like the, the more mm-hmm. regular and in order to get to first base. And there there were a couple other posts similar Very to that. Cool. So I, that that that's pretty meaningful to yeah. to work with a place like that. A quote that I liked from him that was actually um, when he was being talked about as a possible first, you know, the number one draft pick, he said to be, and I'm hoping this is still the case for him because I really like this. He says, to be honest, I don't feel pressure. It's just baseball. You've got to have fun playing it. Otherwise, it wouldn't be the sport for you. That's the attitude. That is the attitude I like. So I'm looking forward to paying more attention to my new Angel's boyfriend, Mickey Moniac, center field. Moniac. All right. All right, over to the National League. We're going to go to the Miami Marlins. We are going to Miami. Yes, I'm so excited. (laughs) We're going to actually see the stadium. Not with the Marlins playing, but that's okay. Um, So for the Marlins, I had a hard time because we had a lot of former boyfriends there. We sure did. Especially with Gene Segura going down. I was like, fuck this. Like, just look at this lineup. And I was bent on choosing Brian De La Cruz, who's a Dominican outfielder. And I could, I looked so hard. I could find nothing on him. The man mm. has no social media. He had a, he was a rookie last year. He had a really good season, but there wasn't any like fun story anywhere. And I, I saw some interviews with him in Spanish and lead on. He was with a team that I don't like so much. So it just, it took me a while to let him go. I was really bent on Brian De La Cruz, but I had nothing to say about him. So I'm going with Nick Fortes who's a backup catcher to your, and he is your former boyfriend, Jacob Stallings, right? I believe so. So this is like your 17th catcher on your team? It's close. I think it's third. I think it's third. But there there was really very little, very few other options that I could see that were viable. And the first thing that I saw about Nick Fortes, I was like, he's he's a really sweet guy. Both these guys are actually way too good for me. They're both like very <laughs> normal looking. Sure. They're very like clean cut. They're just not, they're not there in the queue hard, but they're very nice guys. They just seem like super nice guys. So Nick Fortes, I like what you were saying, like when, when rookies and he was a 
rookie and 21, but I think also probably counted for 22. Um, the first things that they're going to do are, are involved with the team. And so he was involved with the Marlins fantasy camp that they had for children last September 22 with kids with physical and intellectual challenges. And he handed out jerseys there with my former Marlins boyfriend, I think from last year, Avisail Garcia. And the two of them helped sort of coaching kids at the plate. And in the article, there were a couple of things that jumped out at me. One was that his quote, beyond everybody else, said that he's been doing this for a while, that he did similar things when he was in the minors. And he said, I love doing stuff like this. My uncle and my aunt both had special needs, so I have kind of a soft spot for children and people with special needs. I know it means a lot to them. They got a lot of joy out of it, and it makes me smile seeing them smile. So, oh, what a nice boy. He was fourth round picked by the Marlins in 2018 draft out of University of Mississippi. So when I looked at his sort of official stuff, it looked like it was the typical after junior year. But then I saw his Instagram with a graduation pic. So oh. it looks like he did graduate, but I couldn't find more on that. But a big University of Mississippi player and fan from D-Land, Florida. D-Land. It's capital D, capital L. It's sort of like of land, except for half of it's in English. I don't know. Florida. But he, he was born in Miami. So here's my other theme of the week is guys that are coming back home. So going back to Miami. He was the eighth Marlin overall and the fourth Marlin catcher to home run in his MLB debut, which was at the end of the season in 21. He was the 40th player in all MLB with three home runs in his first five games. And unfortunately, at least a couple of those were against the Nationals. <laughs> so, it happens. Yeah. It happens. So in his, his 31 at-bats that he had in the end of the 21 season, he had nine hits with four of them being home runs. Nice. Plus he had an error and a bunch of pass balls, so he had a little bit of work to do. But at 21, he had a pretty solid year. He had a walk-off home run. His first walk-off home run ever was against the Mets. Not too bad. And it happened the same day as his alma mater, the University of Mississippi, won the College World Series. So he was on, in, I think it was Intentional Talk, but some interview where they said, like, which one was more meaningful? And he's like, what kind of question is that? Like, these are both amazing things in my life. I can't choose between that. He did play 72 games in 2022. He spent a lot of time clearly going up and down, but he said that he, he took it as a learning experience and especially you're the catcher to slow the game down when you're feeling anxious. So I'm hoping that he's taking that maturity back when he comes in for 2023. The other thing um, that I really respected about him was reading the article about when Derek Jeter did those Spanish classes mm -hmm. we talked about for the Marlins so that, you know, they're learning English, we're learning Spanish, whoever doesn't speak whichever language, we should all speak both of them. And uh, Nick, actually, his dad is Cuban, but he didn't speak Spanish growing up. So he had like the bit typical, you know, high school Spanish, and he totally took advantage of it. And he surprised his Cuban dad with speaking to him in Spanish in a phone call and said, knowing two languages is important in any circumstances, but also to show the Latin American guys that it's important to us too, because they're thrown in our envi environment and have to adapt to our ways. It's a little bit of the right thing to do, to make an attempt to learn their language and make them feel more comfortable. Also a super family guy, Instagram pictures, mostly of him with his parents like saying, this is, I want to hang out with mom and dad, and very proud of his little brother who is starting grad school in Maryland in Johns Hopkins. So I figure we should go visit. 
Sure, I'm sure he would welcome the, yeah. the, the two strangers <laughs> saying, "Hey, hey, your brother is is her boyfriend." Yeah. That wouldn't be weird that, at, not, all. Not at all. No, not one bit. All right, Are you open, bringing up yet another ba- a backup a beer? Backup beer. Is it cold enough? It, I think so. Is it stacked I, vote? I, I will. I'll, it, it is. It's DC Brow stacked vote. Yep. Yep. There and we, we, we just had a another DC Brow, which was um, the Imperial Double IPA. So we're we're splitting these. So please don't yes. think that we're you know stacking pounding the, the beers. We're stack. We're not stack. <laughs> we're having like half beers. Right. Cheers. So we're fine. Cheers. So, um, do you, I remember, um, how much <laughs> potty mouth hated going to Orioles games oh when, um, JJ God. Hardy was the shortstop because Jay, the PA Jay announcer Hardy. would do what potty mouth just did with Jay, Jay Hardy and Every my fucking time. Well, that's because it's a thing. Right. It was a thing. It, it was, was a thing that drove me crazy. I know you are so easily oh. driven crazy at Camden Yards. It's yes. so much fun to go with you because it's like poke. <laughs> Poke. How about this one? Poke. Right. How about this one? Poke. So um, my new uh, Miami boyfriend is J.J. Blade, and sure enough, I did read an article where they said that the uh, announcer, uh, mm. I, th- I think his, his, his Vanderbilt announcer, always um, called him Jay, Jay oh, no. Blade, and so everybody could jump in on that. He also had cheering sections, so I'm just saying. So he um, was listed as a center fielder, although he may be playing left field this year. He is 25 years old. He's from Danville, Pennsylvania. He's also from a little bit of a baseball family, too. His brother Adam was drafted by the Astros in 2017. Um, didn't last for too long. He's now a coach in the Orioles organization where they say, wow. Jay, Jay. Well, okay, not anymore, they don't. You know, Maybe we, they will. We have often talked about um, our baseball players being three sports players mm-hmm. in high school, and it's always you know, baseball and football, football. and basketball, yeah. right? So um, it, so JJ here was a three-sports guy, but his other two sports besides baseball, he lettered all four years in baseball. Two years he lettered in golf and two in swimming. Golf makes sense with the swing thing. Swimming is interesting well, cross-training. Swimming, swimming is, you know, all over fitness. Yeah. Um, and he still holds six records in swimming Holy at, at his shit. high school. So he was pretty good at it. It's just there's more money in being a professional yeah. baseball player that I don't know if you can even be – a professional swimmer. So he was drafted by the Padres in 2016, but he went to Vanderbilt. And we do like the boys at Vandy. Um, We've talked about lots of them. while at Vanderbilt, um, one, the summer of 2018, he was an all-star in the Cape Cod League. We do love the summer leagues. Um, in 2019, which was the draft year, when he was a junior, he was the SEC Player of the Year. He was the finalist for the Golden Spikes Award. Now, there's only four finalists. This is like the premier Ooh. college um, award, right? the best baseball player at, you know, at the college level. And so it's only four. Um, and the winner that year was Adley Rutschman. So I can't <laughs> feel bad. That, yeah. and, and one of the other guys was Andrew Vaughn. So three of the four are my boyfriends. So you. I feel yeah. pretty good about that. Um, he held that year the Vanderbilt single season record for home runs. He was also the national leader in home runs at college um, in 2019 with 27. So hmm. guy's got a bat. He's got a bat. So, you know, the 2019 draft comes around. Here comes Miami um, in the first round with the fourth pick overall, wow. picking him up. Um, as we've said for most of the people we talk about anymore, there was no 2020 <laughs> season. Yeah. So that was that. But um, in 2021, he um, went to the Arizona Fall League after the the regular season, and he was named the MVP wow. of the Arizona Fall League, which is pretty yeah, good. Especially pretty that good. year, really. And between that, when he was named the MVP and when spring training started, which is only a couple of months, yeah. as you know, he decided it was time to bulk up a little bit. 
he added 20 pounds of muscle between Holy the end of the fall league and spring training. He said that he had a better training program. It was all muscle. It was a weight training program wow. and less sugar and less alcohol. I was about to say that gives me a chance to bulk up, but I'm not cutting down on the alcohol. But also, I mean, if I'm I... Cut down the sugar, not the alcohol. Yeah, it's weird that less alcohol put on weight because it's usually like that. <laughs> well, the, the whole beer belly situation is thing, not. Yeah, beer but anyway, so he added yeah. 20 pounds of muscle. So woohoo! Um, his debut was this past season, July 23rd. He debuted as a pinch hitter versus the Pirates. Um, I think he had a walk, so his first hit was actually the next day versus the Pirates. His first home run was. In a few days later, on the 27th of July versus the Reds, nice. the day before, he'd gone zero for five. Ooh. The next day, he homered at a second at bat. And he said, okay, I went full circle. I feel That's better about, about things now. But his home run, they, it was, they said, I guess it would have been a home run in any ballpark except for Coors Field. Mm. But so that's good. I mean, that means it's a, it's you know, it's a, it's a good homer. But it landed in the visitors' bullpen, which was their bullpen. So boy, that retrieval of your first home run ball was oh, a lot easier <laughs> than it might have been had it gone into the stands. That's awesome. Okay, so um, the fun fact here is, so while he was at Vanderbilt, you know, they would be on the road for tournaments and for games and stuff. And his coach at, Van- at Vandy tells a story of walking into the hotel and hearing. Um, beautiful classical piano music thing. Oh, maybe the hotel does this in the afternoons or whatever. And he walks over and it's JJ. Wow. Playing classical piano with a bunch of people around him who have sort of just sort of wandered up. That's so cool. So he said that, um, he says he plays whenever there's a piano in front of him that doesn't say, don't play me. Oh, but he used him in Tacoma Park a little while ago. Right? So he started lessons in elementary school, but then in middle school, he switched to guitar saying, once I heard Eddie Van Halen play guitar, I'm like, oh, I kind of want to do that. Clearly. So that was, that was a thing for a little while. Now he's back to piano, um, and he suggests that people who have any spare time whatsoever should think about an instrument because it's the right thing All to right. do. Next week, we're talking about the Twins possible home for Carlos Correa. Who knows? We're still up in the air about that one. And the Cubs. So Twins and Cubs next week. Yes, yes. Absolutely. For the records, nothing has been said yet about Carlos Correa. Boy, are the rumors flying. When we're recording, maybe y'all know more than we do, in which case... Okay, so my friends, we have told you so many things today. So many things. Um, again, so next week we're looking for boyfriends for the Twins and the Cubs. If you have ideas for us of uh, people that we have not yet profiled for the Twins and the Cubs, please contact us. Yes. You can find us on social media. Yeah, find us at Twitter, NCIB Podcast, Facebook and Instagram, our No Crying in B-Ball. It's getting very hard to pronounce things at this stage of the show. <laughs> All right, we're good. <laughs> Are I, only we good? Got, I only have one more line and I know it. I swear okay. to God. You I'm, sure? I, I you think sure? So. Okay, I, think so. I can do it for you if you need me to. Oh, my God. You already kind of do. I already kind of do. <laughs> it's true. Hey, so if you have friends or family you think would like to hear us talk about baseball, please um, let them know about the podcast. Give us a rating or review if you feel like it, because we sure do appreciate that. Um, you know, you need to get your booster shot because you might want to go to see, I don't know, a, a World Baseball Classic game in Miami with us. And we'd appreciate it if you were vaccinated. If you want to hang out with us, send your game balls to Meredith. Fight the man is the right thing to do. And until next week, say goodnight, Potty Mouth. Good night, Potty Mouth. Woo!
here with ice in here. Okay. Which I thought would be the best way for an emergency backup beer. Okay. Because we have our backup beer. And then, and then we have an emergency backup. Beer. Right, right, right. We were gonna. I go really wish I, I had arranged for a ride home as opposed to driving <laughs> myself. Sorry. 